Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott's Quota Podcast. On today's show, I'm drawn by Chris Toner. We preview this weekend's Old Firm League Cup final, the feud between Michael Beale and Chris Sutton. Is Steven Gerrard on the shortlist to become the next PSG manager? Surely not. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. Chris, my man, how are we? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So we've got a jam-packed show, so let's dive right into it. Yeah, um, we can't start with anything else, but this, I think, um, the first silverware of the season, up for grabs this Sunday in the Via Play Cup final. Celtic face Rangers, both sides coming into the match on a great run of form. Scott, how do you see it going? Well, I think it's going to be a very tense game, obviously, because you're a Celtic fan, I'm a Rangers fan, so we'll be... We'll be very nervous during it, but for the neutral, I think it's going to be a spectacle. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Both sides are flying right now. They're both in great form. I can actually see this going the distance, Chris. I can see this going extra time potential penalties here um, because like both teams have uh, won 13 out of the last 14. Um, both are booming with confidence right now. It's going to be it's going to be a great game. It will be. And it's like... But like obviously Michael Beale as well. Michael Beale has got Rangers flying right now. Ange Postecoglou has got Celtic flying. But I don't think anybody could have predicted how well Rangers have, would have done under Michael Beale this quickly as well. Because the job that he walked into was going to be it was obviously going to be very difficult. Rangers were in a bad place, but I don't think anybody would have predicted that Michael Beale would have been able to get 13 wins out of 14 and even uh, draw with Celtic at Ibrox where it was uh, it finished two each. But uh, like going back to the like on the game in the second, Rangers obviously played really well against Celtic. Celtic are very lucky to get a point out of that game. I'm sure you can agree with that, Chris. Um, but it will, I, I, do you know what? I actually, it might be a wee bit biased here, but I actually do fancy Rangers for this final. Um, because I feel as though Rangers, I feel as though this is a bigger game for Rangers than it is for Celtic. Because if Rangers win this game, this could have huge implications for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, Celtic are in a more comfortable comfortable position in the league, but Rangers can make a major statement here, Chris. If Rangers go on and win this league cup, but what's your thoughts? What's your take uh, going on in this going into this final? Yeah, no, I was going to come at that. I actually completely agree with you. Um, I think Celtic, with the strong hold on the league at the moment, um, probably they're the ones that more people fancy to take, unless, obviously, as you say, they'll be the better bias on the Rangers side, the Rangers going to win it, or they're hoping that, at least. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a bit bigger game for Rangers. Uh, if they do get a result here, then could it really spur on um, a late challenge for the league? give them that bit of confidence and belief that Celtic are beatable in the two upcoming old terms and that could really swing the title race in their direction. Possibly. And it, like nine points is obviously going to be very tough for Rangers to claw back. I, I've said that for a very long time. But the performance on the in the, the January gave me a lot of confidence where even though Rangers dropped points, Rangers didn't beat Celtic, the performance was really good. Rangers were very unlucky not to win that game. I think the thing that's got Celtic over the line was their squad depth that day. And you've seen the, the, the lack of squad depth that Rangers had. Rangers brought You've seen the contrast in substitutions where Celtic brought on Jota and Jackie Mackis and we brought on Scott Wright and uh, James Sands. And it was a massive contrast there. Um, but obviously Rangers have brought in Todd Cantwell and uh, Nico Raskin uh, in the January window. 
And I feel as though Nico Raskin could make a major statement uh, this Sunday in the No Firm game, along with Todd Cantwell. Because uh, Michael B was saying yesterday at the, the press conference that we've got three injury doubts with uh, Tillman, Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom. Uh, and he also did say that it, it might be a bonus. Like if Rangers are able to get one of those players back, it would be a bonus. But I don't know if that might be mind games from him, Chris. You, know, you never know, but I don't think he's lying when he's saying that, like, well, at least, like, like some of these players are going to be missing uh, Sunday. But out of those three players, the player I would love to see back for the final it would be Tillman, without a shadow of a doubt. Tillman's been Rangers' best player all season. Um, and if he is going to miss the final, that would be quite a big blow. And it, Bill, did, Bill did also say that the team for this Sunday will be very similar to, to the team that played against Livingston. On uh, like at the weekend there, where the uh, it was a midfield made up of uh, uh, Glenn Kamara, Nico Raskin, and Todd Cantwell. Um, Nico Raskin looks like he's a very good player. I think Rangers have got a good player on his ha- on our hands there. Where he's good in the ball, he's he, he reminds me of like I, I don't I don't even think I'm going too far saying this, but just in the manner of the way he plays, how he can dictate the midfield, it's quite similar to the way Barry Ferguson uh, like played back in the day. Um, and Todd Cantwell has been a great addition where he's, he likes to get like likes to get forward, he likes to make things happen. He's he's that creative spark that the Rangers midfield has been missing for a very long time. Um, so I I think the midfield if 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 we can get Tillman back, I would like to see the midfield be uh, Nico Raskin, Todd Cantwell, and Malik Tillman. That's uh, the the midfield three I would like to see if we can get uh, Tillman back. But if not, I would go Glenn Kamara, Raskin, and uh, Todd Cantwell. Um, but I think it was massive Rangers got those two midfielders in because see if Rangers never signed uh, Todd Cantwell and Nico Raskin in the January window, Rangers midfield would be so depleted. Obviously, with John Lundstrom and Ryan Jack uh, potentially out for Sunday. Um, but yes, yeah, <laughs> it was massive. Rangers got those players in, um, but but like on to Celtic as well, Chris. Um, our Celtic got a clean uh, sweep of uh, no injuries. Um, well, I was talking in the gym this morning. Um, Aaron Moy, he could be an injury doubt. So, um, obviously the ideal mid three. You talked to your ideal mid midfield three. So. We're probably talking obviously, Cal McGregor is captain. He's going to start every day of the week, unless obviously. God forbid something happened. Um, um, Moy, if he's fit, I'd give him the nod over Matt O'Reilly because I feel he's really come in. And I, I thought probably that he was one of these ones, like ex-Premier League imports that were kind of come up here to maybe like, make a bit in, try and make a bit in easy wage like, the last few years of their career. But he's really surprised me, really came on. So it's a definitely bright spark. And uh, obviously Rio Hattac, who was the star man in the team of the week this week for the SPFL? Um, they're d- double against that free fall in Aberdeen at the moment, so I feel like this is where the final battle could really be won or lost in the midfield. Yeah, no, hundred percent, Chris. Uh, because over the like the last um, uh, two games, I would say Celtic. Well, not the last two games. I would say even going back to the the game at Parkhead earlier on this season. Where like the midfield Celtic just utterly dominated our midfield, but obviously our midfield's improved and with the two additions with Cadmel and Raskin, and um, but yeah, I feel as though that could be where the game 
would be what one and lost. But when you look at the attacking options, both sides have got very strong attacking options. When you look at Ryan Kent and Sakala, Sakala and Ryan Kent had a fantastic like they, they were brilliant against the Celtic on the second of January. Then obviously Celtic have the likes of Jota who can create all sorts of like he can create all sorts of chances and cause defenses all sorts of problems. Then you obviously got Maeda as well. Kyogo he's flying right now. He's uh, in the form of his life, uh, probably the best form he's been in since signing for Celtic. And obviously there's a lot of pressure on him to be the main guy now, I think, Chris, ever since uh, Jackie Mack has left in the January window. Um, but defensively, though, defensively, I think both sides, and when it comes to like the this, this, the both centre-halves, uh, Rangers obviously have Conor Goldson and Ben Davies. They've been playing very well together. They've formed a very, very good partnership. But in terms of Celtics, uh, two centre-halves, how do you feel about them going into this final? Um, yeah, they'll have to put a shift in, um, but I have, have faith in them if it's going to be Katowickers and Sarfield playing together. Um, I'm more than no faith in them. Yeah, because I feel as though Carter Vickers and uh, Starfelt, uh, I, I would say this season they've really formed a, a good partnership. Last season, um, it obviously it was very inconsistent. I would say Starfelt was a weak link, but Starfelt has really came on to a game this season. Um, and uh, going back to the last time Rangers and Celtic last played in a, a final, it was four years ago, and it was the League Cup final where... Rangers, I'll say it, I'll be, I think you even agree with us, I'll be brutally honest here, say how it is. Rangers were robbed that day. <laughs> you can hear about that, Chris. Rangers were robbed. Yeah, we have um, obviously Fraser Foster to thank for that one and then thankful that VAR wasn't in play on that day. Otherwise, Julian's goalie was celebrating it on Twitter during the week there, um, saying what a goal and all this. And I thought he's got a bit of a cheat scene as it wouldn't have stood if the assistant had done his job on the day of VAR was in play so yeah I think that was like one we really got lucky yeah but you all, take it every day yeah like I, like I feel as though a lot of these Rangers players who played in that final will be looking for a bit of redemption here like uh, Bona Barisic was saying that today um, in the press conference where he was like we have not forgot about that final like we have not forgotten about that uh, and there's a lot hanging on that where Rangers will be like that'll be I think that'll be spoke about quite a bit in the, the build that I've seen that mentioned quite a lot on Twitter this week where it was like the last time Rangers Celtic played in a final um Rangers got absolutely robbed where Rangers missed a penalty Fraser Foster had the game of his life Celtic scored a goal that was offside. Yeah it was it was wild because I remember after the that final I was watching it I was like when the full time whistle went I was just lost for words. I was like I cannot believe we did not win that. I really cannot believe it. Okay, it was just one of those days where it was just everything just went against Rangers in that sense. Um, but uh, it will be a great final, Chris. It will be a spectacle. From what I've uh, been reading and hearing, the pitch looks like it's in pretty decent condition. So fingers crossed the weather stays good for the next few days because see if the, it starts like pouring a rain and whatnot. Uh, I think the the pitch will get badly damaged, and that's the last thing we need. Because it was a it was a national embarrassment for the the pitch to be in that state for the two semi finals. It was just a laughing stock, so it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and as you say, um, semi finals at Hamden, they're about a showpiece event themselves. If it's in that condition again for a final, then we're really a laughing stock. Not hundred percent, yeah. Um, but what is your prediction for the, the final? Um, 
obviously <laughs> I need to back my team. I'm going to go two one Celtic after extra time. Mate, that's my exact prediction. Like the opposite way about, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's my exact prediction. I think it'll be 2-1, 2-1 Rangers. Um, mm. Last time Rangers and Celtic played uh, each other in the Cup, it was under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst last season, the semi-final, where it went to extra time and Rangers won 2-1. And that was after Rangers played in the Europa League in the first night, where it went to extra time uh, for 120 minutes. So, And Rangers done that back-to-back. So, But I feel as though when it comes to for games going the distance, and especially into extra time, I think Rangers do have one up in Celtic when it comes to that, but in terms of more experience, where Rangers played an extra time quite a bit last year, obviously in uh, Europe as well. Um, so, but like it will be, it will be. I think it, it will be a very tense game, and the the nerves will be through the roof on uh, Sunday. But if Rangers lose, though, or Rangers win, nothing. For example, nothing will change in what. Rangers need to do going forward. If Rangers win and just say Rangers go out there and beat Celtic 3-0, nothing will change in terms of the long-term goal, whereas in the summer, Rangers need to have a a rebuild effectively. Yeah, Rangers do need to have a rebuild because they are this squad, in this squad there's some ageing players. Rangers need to get some fresh bodies in. Like Obviously, we've got some a lot of business we need to do where we need to sign Malik Tillman. That is that should be the first priority of this uh, summer. Sign him for our five million pounds. If we don't, that'll be an absolute travesty and it'll be it'll be a disgrace if Rangers don't get that over the line. Um but yeah, like nothing will change if Rangers win or lose. Rangers still need to improve and and as I said earlier, um I, this is I feel as though it's a bigger game for Rangers than it is Celtic because Rangers win that, who knows what can happen in the title running if um if if Rangers lose, it'll give Celtic that but that extra confidence to that bit extra confidence boost to go on and just wrap up the league. But yeah, it, well, I'm looking forward to it. But I need we need to speak about Michael Beale and um, Ange Postecoglou yesterday at the press conference. Chris, that was <laughs> that was it's quite humorous that the fact that. <laughs> they were both sitting right beside each other and you can tell how much they were absolutely loving it <laughs> I've I've not read back on any quotes or anything I think uh, by a player saving like what was said um, for the coverage of the game on Sunday um, I won't see it because I'll be at the ground but um, yeah I think it's, it was quite interesting that they done that yeah, some of the memes about that, they, well, it was fantastic. <laughs> so it was, it was, um, but it, you, you can just tell how awkward it was. I feel as though uh, played done that on purpose. It was, I think it was a smart marketing marketing tool from them as well, where it was like, right, let's have uh, be Michael Beale and Ange Postacoglu sitting beside each other in the press conference. And it, they just, it looked, it just, it was a very funny visual. Uh, <laughs> so it was, but I, um, like some of the beams, as I said, well, hilarious. So, like, I can't get if, if I can if I can get something of it, I would. But so, but also as well, we need to mention uh, Michael Beale and Chris Sutton. Michael Beale's been causing quite a quite a stir, shall we say? He's been getting a lot of headlines in the press. Um, what do you make of it all, Chris? Before I get um the actual quotes up from what's been going on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all been happening, not just um. What, but- well, come Sunday, it won't just have been happening on the pitch. It's all been happening off the pitch in the build up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been it's but the media will be having an absolute field day with us there in Dreamland with us, right? So I'll give you the backstory, right? 
So Chris Sutton said something about Michael Beale. I can't recall what it was, right? But Michael Beale was doing, I think it might have been an interview with Kevin Thompson and uh, Emma Dodds. It might have been that, right? Or it might have been with Rangers TV, right? But this is what uh, Michael Beale said. He said, listen, there are pundits and ex-players that are comedy acts. They are there to create intrigue. They don't speak about the betterment of the game. They don't help our game at all. All they do is bring it back down to the gutter. And then Michael Beale continued saying, growing up, I was a fan of Chelsea. So there is one pundit around here who is the worst ever player to play for Chelsea. That is why I won't mention him by name because I'm trying to forget him. And then obviously I need need to uh, read out Chris Sutton's response. Yeah, Chris Sutton. The next day, I, if I'm being honest, Chris, right? Chris Sutton likes to, he likes to dish it out. But I think I feel as though this might have stung a little bit because the next day he wrote a column responding. So he responded by saying, eh, "My record column on Beal and the unnecessary soap opera, the strange episode of the thin-skinned dictator who likes only the sound of his own voice and why he needs to concentrate on what really matters." Eh, and then he also said. Touchy Michael Beale had me googling his playing career, but Rangers boss meltdown was a good laugh. So I read out the quotes there, Chris. What do you make of the the whole thing there? Yeah, well, I think Chris what's Sutton, really going to be interesting. Yeah, well, what I think's really going to be interesting is the result on Sunday, obviously, because um, Chris Sutton's actually doing the post match interviews with the managers after the game on Sunday for Fireplay. So I think it all could all come to a head then as a result of all this going on in the background depending well, on that, the result yeah 100% that's going to be I think that's going to be something because if Celtic win that would be interesting telly vice versa as well if Rangers win it'll be interesting telly where Michael Beale will be very smug when Chris Sutton's interviewing him but if Celtic win Chris Sutton will be extra smug um, when he's interviewing uh, Michael Beale. So, uh, fair play to Viaplay. They've uh, really, they're, they're smart here, obviously. They're, they're obviously having Michael Beale and Ange Postcoglu sitting beside each other in the press conference and then having Chris Sutton interview both the managers after the final. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is, I think it is very smart. Um, but also, we need to uh, also move on, Chris, uh, and talk about Aberdeen. Obviously, they've been in the news for all the wrong reasons. I had a sports broadcaster and host of the the Ali Beg show, uh, Ali Beg, um, on the, the show the other week, who's a massive Aberdeen fan. And we were speaking about the crisis that is going on at the club. Chris, it's, it is crazy what has happened, where they lost to junior side Darville in the Scottish Cup. They've just been in a downward spiral. They've, they got beat 6-0 off Hibs. Um, and they also lost to use at the weekend 4-0. They haven't appointed a manager yet. Um, Dave Cormack is no longer the running the day-to-day chief executive uh, role. He's uh, hired Al- uh, Alan Burrows, who was doing that at Motherwell. I think that's a good appointment. But what do you make of what is going on at Aberdeen, Chris? They are in full-on meltdown right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was kind of building to this point, I feel, um, ever since Jim Goodwin came in the door and then the bad Schenger results after the World Cup and then kind of all came ahead. Obviously, there was that Davo game, arguably like, the biggest upset in the history of the Scottish Cup. And then 
I feel what Goodwin was hung out to dry a bit. It was like, why was he not sacked after that that game? It was like they kept him on for the Hibs game, and then it was like that result was always going to be com- coming like a heavy defeat to a side like Hibs off the back of wasn't it Darvel? So it was like, would it not made more sense to let him go after that game? Yeah, not, yeah, 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 hundred percent. That's what uh, Alan and I were speaking about. Where it was, it was, it was embarrassing. So it was from Aberdeen, where they released a statement. I think it was like two days or something after the Darvel game, and it was so poorly written. It was they, there were so many grammar errors, and it, it was it was embarrassing. Where it was like. It was basically saying if you don't win, it's basically said if you don't beat Hibs at the weekend, you're getting sacked. And look what happened: Hibs beat them six 0 Then Jim Goodwin obviously got his marching orders in, but it was Jim Jim Goodwin should have got sacked right after the double game. There was no way back for him after that. And then they let they let him stay in charge for the the Hibs game. And then Hibs battered them, and it was just as you said, you're spot on. They hung him out to dry. It was. Just totally humiliating for him. Um, obviously, he did deserve to get sacked, but I don't think he deserved to stay on for the Hibs game where they just, just they made a mockery out of him. Uh, so they did. But a few was all the appointment of Alan Burrows is uh, a good one where he's he's done very well at uh, Mullerwell. He's a very good uh, chief, chief executive. Um, that's probably the best appointment Aberdeen have made in years. Um, Dave Cormack, he's never really in the country. He's not running it running the, the club day to day. He's always in America. Um he's got two managerial appointments disasterly disasterly wrong. And um and also Stephen Glass that experiment who let's be honest he appointed Stephen Glass because that was his mate. That's the only reason he appointed Stephen Glass. And then Jim he appointed Jim Goodwin. Um didn't work out at all. We are <laughs> like getting knocked out of Scott the Scottish Cup uh, by Darvel, the biggest upset in the history off the Scottish Cup. Um, but where did Aberdeen go for here, right? Obviously, they've got Barry Robson and caretaker charge right now. Who do you think they'll get as manager? If I'm being honest, I don't think they're going to appoint anyone just now because they've got nothing to play for this season, right? I don't think they're going to make the top six. So I think this season, it's just about, right, you see it out until the end of the season and then we'll make the managerial appointment in the summer. But who do you think they should go for? It's a tough one to be honest. Um, no, no, they really that's out there. The now kind of jumps off the page at me. If you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I was speaking to Ali about this with Neil Lennon. Uh, we both said that would be a disastrous appointment. Where I do believe Neil Lennon would get a short term fix at them. He would. Like that's what Neil Lennon does when he comes at the club. He gets a, a response right away. But long term, Neil Lennon, we, we, we've all seen that movie movie before with him, how it ends, where Neil Lennon, look at Celtic, how that ended, where um, it ended in tears, where he ended up costing Celtic the 10 in a row. Um, and then look how it ended at Hibs, where he got them promoted um, to back to the Premiership. He, Hibs finished fourth under him in their first season back, and then he ended up falling out with the players, having a big standoff in the, the Hibs training ground. And no, Neil Lennon's not. I, Neil Lennon would not be not be the right fit. Maybe a few years ago, yeah. Now, absolutely not. I think Neil Lennon just damaged goods now. But and if I'm being honest, Chris, I don't see Neil Lennon getting a another job in Scottish football. I think that's pretty bold for me to say. But I I, I don't think we get another job in Scottish football. I feel 
like his days are done in Scottish football. He's obviously been at Celtic, he's been at Hibs, both ended in a terrible way. I don't like do you think his time's up in Scottish football? I as you say is like um, obviously the disastrous Celtic spell that has felt it's almost like everything else is the problem but him. And that, yeah. I think that's it. that's what totally damages his character and why nobody will touch him. Yeah, and then he obviously when he was managing that team in Cyprus, he got the sack. So that just shows you like I think I think I might be wrong here, but see every club he's been at, he's been sacked from, hasn't he? He's sacked for Bolton, but he was effectively sacked from us, let's be honest. Yeah, sacked, like, yeah, he was abs, and then obviously he gave Man United a good game in the Europa League with that Cypriot side, but, um, but um, they were doing bad in the league. So I think once that was out of the way, it was like, nah, he's going. Yeah, 100%. Um, but he's been, I think he's been doing a lot of punditry work right now. And uh, like you know when people like ex-managers do punditry work, that's when they're trying to get their, their name out there, they're trying to stay relevant when they're like you know, I think he does do you know what he does? I think he does like League One football during the week on Sky Sports. <laughs> so like you can't even get onto the, the soccer Saturday team with Chris Boyd and Paul Merson, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, like that's it, that's the thing with uh, Neil Lennon. Like he's yeah, obviously, I like you see when he came into Celtic when he came back to Celtic four years ago in 2019. I think he obviously he got his over the line, he, he won it, won the league, and won the Scottish Cup. That should have been it. That's where it should have been. Peter Lowell should have been thank you. That was brilliant. Neil got us over the line. Okay, let's part ways. But then Peter Lowell offers him the, the job when he's in the shiver, and then I think the rest is history, Chris. But it's would you say? Obviously, it's been two years now since uh, Neil Lennon got the sack. Would you say it, the it's still very raw amongst the Celtic support when it comes to Neil Lennon in terms of like what happened and how it ended? Yeah, definitely. Because um, like we say, if you get another gig in Scottish football, I'd say hypothetically speaking, you got the Aberdeen gig. Like, I'd be really interested to see what kind of reception he would get from the Celtic fans. I think he would. I genuinely think he would get booed. Yeah, my pal was saying that as well. He thinks he he would get booed just just because of the way he conducted himself in the end, and especially the way he conducted himself after leaving Celtic, where he was making digs at the Celtic support, saying, "Oh, this new generation so spoiled. They they don't appreciate. Uh, they don't appreciate what I do and all that." And then he's like, obviously, the way he was acting, like uh, after the the Dubai. The fiasco where he was just he had that meltdown at the press conference where he was like he didn't break any privilege privileges in that so he didn't break any privileges and stuff and it was like you know like oh it was just car crash it was just car crash viewing this like it was it's that's the last thing you want your um your manager to do where well I what was it? I remember Joe was saying in the chat he thinks Michael Beale needs PR training I think that's utter nonsense he tried to compare it to Neil Lennon no Michael Beale speaks his mind. And I like that you want managers to do that, but and when you compare, like when you look at Neil Lennon, when you compare it to Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon is just it's just car crash viewing. But it's like you, it's like it's like Pedro Casinha. I was saying this at the hairdressers a day, um, like it, like Pedro Casinha was like car crash. It was just car crash. Some of the stuff you'd come out with, but it was just the dogs bark, the caravan keeps going, and then he was asked about a team selection. He was like, "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas." 
and then he was squaring up to Scott Brown and the old firm game. That's like Pedro Casino, Neil Lennon, that's car crash Ewan. They are that was they were two embarrassments. Uh, but obviously because we're talking about Pedro Casino and obviously we're speaking about Neil Lennon, I think it's only fair that we speak about how much of a embarrassment Pedro Casino was, um, <laughs> Chris. But can I imagine uh six years ago when all that was going on, I imagine you were absolutely loving it. Yeah, I was definitely. Yeah, but it was like I've spoke to spoke to you about him like so many times. But when when he got the sack, I was celebrating it like um, it was an old firm goal. Like the Rangers scored at the last minute, I was delighted. Like hands down, Chris, the worst manager in our history, without a shadow of a doubt, man. Like he, like I don't even know how Pedro Casino got the job. I really, really don't know. And when we like his. We appointed him, but like we got rid of like put like obviously Marty went back down to youth set up, and then we appointed Pedro Casilla. Nobody had ever heard him, um, and the Rangers players despised him, absolutely despised him. Like, like even like I was watching a interview, I think it was with I think it was with Josh Windass of all people, and he was saying that after the season finished, the 2016-17 season finished, right? Because obviously Pedro took over halfway through. He was saying that. Like, right for the preseason, you only got like thirteen days off. It, the players got thirteen days off, right? And when they came back for preseason, um, it, the players had to turn up to the training ground at six o'clock in the morning. Then training would start at half six, and you're like, and it was just like basically barely any days off. And you're like, no wonder, <laughs> like the players absolutely despise you. Like, there's been ruthless, then there's been that. And there's no surprise that he ended up getting the sack, um, like like three months into the season, you know. But yeah, that's for sure. That's one guy I definitely do not miss, Chris Pedro Casinha. But here's a question for you, right? Who was more car crash, Pedro Casinha or Neil Lennon? I think after that um, post Dubai trip press conference, I think you've got to give it to Neil Lennon. Yeah, yeah, I agree because. Pedro Casinha was only here for a few months. Neil Lennon, even in his first spell, even in Celtic manager, would do ridiculous stuff constantly. <laughs> like, but like some of the iconic moments, like him running on the pitch. It was the, the, the Hearts semi-final where Hearts got a penalty in the last minute. Then he ran on the the pitch, squaring right up to the referee, right in his face in that. And you're like, oh, what are you doing, man? You know, but. Yeah, I don't, he'll never change, mate. He'll never change. Like when he did, when he first came back to Celtic, um, uh, for in the twenty nineteen season, when he came back, he was quite reserved and whatnot. But then, couple couple seasons down the line, uh, he just reverted back to his old ways. But uh, we'll move on for that. Like I like how just random stuff comes up in the podcast. But we'll move on for that. And uh, some interesting news tonight, as um, Stuart Kettlewell is the new Mullerwell manager, Chris. Um, obviously, Mullerwell recently sacked uh, Stevie Hamill. Um, obviously, Stevie Stevie Hamill had to go. It, like it, it was not working out. Mullerwell were in terrible form. I think they were setting bottom when they sacked Stevie Hamill. But Stuart Kettlewell uh, has been in charge of the last two games. They beat St Mirren two one, and then they beat Hearts two 0 at the weekend. So I think it's a no brainer giving Stuart Kettlewell the job. Chris, what's your thoughts? Yeah, he definitely wants to be steering Marble back in the right direction. Um, off kind of like the joint foot of the table with Dundee United, and um, right slowly rising up the table now. Um, 
top top six as well out the reach now. I'm just looking at the table for now, but uh, yeah, as long as it gets them comfortable in that, I think it's a job well earned. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and yeah, I think you. I think we'll keep them up. I think he, I think has a good chance of keeping them up. Um, if he if he if he can keep the, like this run going just now, he's got every chance. But if he was all done the right, a hundred hundred ten percent going down, mate. They are going down. Like the see after they sat Jack Ross, they still had a chance to salvage their season. But the thing that has killed Dundee United was the appointment of Liam Fox. As I said this at the time, I, it was I, I didn't I couldn't wrap my head around it right because there was no justification for why Liam Fox should have got that job because Liam Fox's record as a manager as a manager when you look at it, Liam Fox managed Cowden Beef previously. He ended up getting the sack, leaving them. I think it was rock bottom of League Two. I think it was it was either League Two or League One. Um, and for some reason he got the uh, Dundee United job baffling to me so if they appointed uh, a manager who knew Scottish football had somewhat experience uh, and somewhat of a decent CV Dundee United probably could have salvaged it maybe someone like a Tommy Knight I think that could have been a, a decent fit for Dundee United but Liam Fox is going to send Dundee United down and that'll be disastrous, disastrous financially as well for them because they were they were only in the championship three seasons ago, three seasons ago. So yeah, it's not looking good whatsoever for them. And I think so. Like see the the main core of that done the right squad. I think some of them played in the championship. And when you've got like that kind of core there, it's it's not good. It's not good. But we'll finish off here. Um, and an interesting story here, Chris. Um, that the the Scottish Daily Express uh, reported on that Stephen Gerrard is a target for a uh, PSG. He's on the he's on the shortlist uh, apparently. Um, I don't know how true this is, but very interesting. Um, apparently, he's on the shortlist because the owners feel as though a high profile guy like Stephen Gerrard can in, in, can help enhance the team for next season. Uh, what's your take on that? <laughs> Um, well, obviously he done a grand job at Rangers and then um, took his time, but he did finish off in a high daughter in 55 and stop in the 10. Um, Aston Villa not so much. Um, obviously he was linked with the Poland job. I don't know how true that ever was. Um, but obviously when you've got a what, name like Stephen Gerrard linked to a big club, then that's obviously going to carry some amount of a draw to the team. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it happening. Uh, I'll be shocked if it does, but no, I'll be. I think it's very unlikely. I think it's just paper talk. I don't know how the Scottish Daily Express of all newspapers um have got a scoop like that. Where like, see if that if it, if there was any real truth in it, you would have seen major outlets like reporting this. No, the no, the Scottish Daily Express. Let's be honest, <laughs> you know. But yeah, before we finish off, anything else you want to add, uh, Chris? Um, yeah, obviously, um, condolences to the Hibs family, Ron Gordon, sadly, passing away um, yesterday at the age of 68. Yeah, very sad news, Chris, indeed. Um, uh, Ron Gordon recently wrote an open letter to the Hibs support saying that he had uh, been receiving treatment for cancer over the past year. Um, it's very sad news. Um, you can tell how much he loved uh, Hibs and he gave it his all and he really did want the best for Hibs. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, massive condolences to his friends and family. Um, and also seeing that the, the Gordon family said that they won't be selling the club, they want to see this project through. So that's uh, good news for Hibs fans because I feel as though they're in very good hands with the, the Gordon family uh, owning the club. But yeah, best uh, wishes to Ron Gordon's uh, family and friends. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.